to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Mark Sierra. And Mark is the co-founder of Sierra Capital Group, a firm focused on curating diverse private real estate investments. As both the CFO of a consulting firm and the active and passive real estate investor, he has a broad viewpoint on real estate investing. And it's no wonder that Sierra Capital Group focuses on building diverse private real estate funds for busy professionals. So Mark, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Eileen. Really happy to be here. You know, we both met on Raise Masters, and I'm I'm really happy to dig into this. Yeah, absolutely. So, can you give our listeners a little bit more about your background and you know how you got started in real estate? Sure. So, going all the way back, I graduated from Iowa State University with an accounting degree and got a CPA. You know, right away and joined the management consulting world. I worked at like Ernst and Young and Navigant Consulting, really for I don't know ten years, half my career. And then about halfway through, I met a client who started his own business and eventually became the CFO of that company. And that's where I am now. I got interested in real estate through my wife, actually. She's a general contractor here in Chicago. And I hadn't thought about real estate at all until meeting her. You know, she kind of showed me the ropes. So we started doing single family and multifamily ground up development, actually. And we still do some of that today through her businesses. In about 2007, sorry, 2017, I got interested more in passive investing because my career was sort of taking off. I was getting busier as a professional and really just not having enough time to be an active investor and really seeking out deals, you know, pounding the pavement and all of that that's required to be an active sponsor. So I was really looking for passive ways to build my income. And that's where I came into, you know, real estate investing passively and apartments and cell storage and manufactured housing and those sorts of things. And through the years, I started talking to friends and family about what I was doing. And they started to get interested in, you know, passive real estate investing. So I had this group of people who was investing sort of alongside of me. And I just naturally became a capital raiser. So we realized over the last couple of years, there was a real market here to help people like myself that were busy who wanted to invest and diversify outside of their 401ks and traditional investment vehicles, but didn't have the time and resources to become an active real estate investor. And so we thought we could help them through Sierra Capital Group. So that's what we're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. Being almost in a sense as a matchmaker of some sorts for these opportunities that not everybody might make not necessarily have the ability to get into or at least the the connections to have been able to you know find out about these different deals or different opportunities that are available out there. That's exactly right. And in some cases, passive investors 
you know, they have busy lives. They have kids. They have a full-time job. Maybe both, both parents have a full-time job, that sort of thing. They don't have time to go meet with investors, go walk a property. Or I'm sorry, not investors, operators or syndicators. And go walk a property, really dig into the due diligence of the financial underwriting, you know, debt structures, all of those sorts of things that I do as a CPA and, and really dig into the details with the operators and make sure that we're investing with quality operators with long histories and track records. And you know, bringing some of that experience that we've built to other investors alongside of us. So, when you are working with other investors who are interested in you know participating in a in a deal or an opportunity, are they investing more like with you personally, or how are they doing the vetting process with the sponsors? Are you doing the vetting for them, or are they also doing their due diligence? How does that process typically look like? So, in the past, until we rebranded with our new firm, we were really focused on ourselves. We had a a really hyper Chicago focused brand. We rebranded to Sierra Capital Group to capture a broader group of investors and start a fund of funds model where we are taking capital from investors and placing them, placing those funds with operators that we've vetted in the past and worked with that we've done due diligence on. So in the past, like I said, the investors would invest directly with the sponsors and you know, we would basically tell them, hey, we did a bunch of due diligence. We did, we underwrote this deal. We like it. We're going to invest in it. And you should consider it too, but do your own due diligence. Today, we're going to turn our focus to providing a more curated experience where raising the capital, putting it in our own fund, and then placing it with those same syndicated vendor operators in order to both achieve some scale and diversification within one investment, as opposed to investors having to invest you know multiple times at 25 or 50,000 dollars a piece in order to achieve that same amount of diversification. So that's our real focus is providing that kind of foundational element to a real estate portfolio through diversification with vetted operators. Yeah, absolutely. And especially on the passive investing side of things, like you mentioned, a lot of times, you know, people, busy professionals, W-2 workers who have families who have a lot going on in their lives don't have, you know, necessarily the bandwidth, the time, or the, even the want to review all the legal documents, to vet all these sponsors, to deep dive into the underwriting models. So it's a really great I guess, opportunity as well for them to at least participate in some type of real estate, still get the benefits of it, but without having to actually, you know, do the the background work on their end as well. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure that everybody enjoys reading, you know, two, three, 400 page legal documents on Saturday morning, like I do, but uh, <laughs> it's like you know, your not, Saturday morning paper. <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. Grab the coffee, grab the PPM documents and flip through them, you know, for a couple hours. So it's fun to me, maybe not to everybody. So you mentioned that you, earlier this year, you went through a rebranding process. Can you share a little bit about, first of all, you know what your brand kind of looks like before and what made you realize that you needed to rebrand to target a different audience or just make it a little bit more clear? Can you walk us through a little bit about that process? Sure, absolutely. So our prior name was Hard Scrabble Investments. And it was named after a nickname of the neighborhood that I live in in Chicago, and it was called Hardscrabble way back in you know like the 1800s or whatever. So we were really focused on kind of the Chicago brand and our own, you know, what we were doing with our own investments. And what we realized through Raise Masters, actually, you know, if your brand is not speaking for you, 
it may be hurting your image. It's not working for you. And you really need your brand, you know, to not work against you. And hard scrabble has a connotation that sounds, you know, hard scrabble investments sounds a little bit difficult, especially if you know the actual meaning of hard scrabble. And so we decided it was probably working against us. And in order to reach out to a much broader audience that may not know that our neighborhood was named hard scrabble, we know we knew that we needed to get a, a different name. And so we just decided hey, let's take my last name. It sounds pretty decent to your capital group and we'll just go with it. So that's what we did. It should reach a broader audience. It sounds more professional, like a private equity firm, <laughs> you know? And so that's why we decided to go. So when you decided to rebrand, how was that communication like with your current investors and your current network? And how did that process look like in, you know, during that transition time? Sure. You know, you want to do it gradually. In my opinion, we send out many many emails. We engage them in the process as far as choosing logos, choosing names. So, you know, not everybody reads every one of your emails, right? So you have an investor list of however many it is, it's called a hundred, maybe 30 or 40 of them will read your email that you send out normally. So you need to hit your investor group several times, right? And get them involved in the process and, and have some ownership in your new name and recognition of that brand. And, you know, when you have that call, once you do launch with your investors, you know, the first thing I've heard from many of them is, hey, I, I selected that logo or I helped choose, you know, that name over the other eight that you select that you that you offered me. So they get, you know, a sense of ownership. They feel invested, um, not only you, but in your brand and your image and all of that sort of thing. So that process takes some time and you really want to make sure that they're engaged. So then after, you know, after taking a look at the logo and then the name of it, what were the following things that you had to look at and rebrand so that the messaging is more in line with what you are looking to achieve? Yeah, you really have to take a, a step back and and like you just said, evaluate what you're trying to achieve with your company and your vision. And, you know, for me, it was finding other professionals, CPAs, lawyers, people like myself that have busy professional lives and branding to them what they're seeking. So I really just looked inside myself, Hey, I'm a busy professional. What is it that I'm looking for in passive real estate investment? If I were an investor and how would I approach, you know, the marketing to them? That's how we looked at the new website, the new content and media that we're putting out. And we really tried to structure that to target those audiences and see you know, what are they looking for? Many of them are looking for diversification from their 401ks. So, you know, that's what I was seeking. I dove deep on that and wrote a white paper around diversification to broaden, it's called broaden your horizon and expand your portfolio. And by writing that, I'm targeting those investors that are, that are seeking that diversification. Got it. And so after this whole rebranding process, you know, which takes quite some time, there's numerous steps that is involved in between. How have you seen now your outreach to your current network? How has the messaging come across now to the people who, you know, visit your website, who, you know, when they see your brand logo, your brand name that they associate with? I've gotten quite a lot of feedback that they really like the new brand, the new logo clean. It's hitting investors. I've gotten a few calls that I didn't even expect from former colleagues and coworkers reaching out and saying, Hey, what is this new thing that you're doing? Some of them didn't even know about hard scrabble. And so the outreach is really working and I'm getting a lot of good feedback that, that it's doing what I intended. So very happy about that. 
So for someone who's looking to also rebrand, who might be, maybe their messaging isn't as clear as what they would hope for, you know, what would be the first couple of steps that you would recommend that had worked out for you that maybe they could do? Let's see. Well, there's, there's a lot of resources out there on brand identification and finding your target customer. You know, you can do some quick searches and you'll find all kinds of worksheets that'll help you hone in on your message, your ideal client, you know, all of those sorts of things. And as you start to, to dig into that, you got to think about what you're comfortable with, how you're most natural and who your most natural contacts are in the industry or in your network, right? For me, it was my friends and family mainly up until the last couple of years. And then outside of that, who do you know, right? For me, it's a lot of accountants, lawyers, and, and other executives in places like consulting firms and small businesses. So by the end of that, you have to start thinking about, well, what's, what's in their mind as far as how they invest and how they think about their portfolios and what they're seeking. And so towards the end of your branding, you really want to run that past a lot of your current investors, your current family, and see how that resonates with them and you know, get their feedback, factor that in. And that's what we did. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And so for the current model that your business has right now, where, you know, people look to invest with you and then you create a type of fund of funds, and then you're investing in another sponsor's deal. Do all of the investors have similar types of, I guess, outcome that they're trying to achieve? And does the sponsor typically match what they're looking for? Or how does that diversification for your investor base look like in terms of like the different sponsors that you're working with? So I'm trying to maximize diversification within this first fund that we're putting together. We're looking at multiple sponsors, different sectors. So from you know, industrial and multifamily, self-storage, and you know, potentially some mobile home parks. We're trying to get a broad range of investments in one vehicle so that you know, we can really provide a foundational product as people venture into real estate, I would say. Not everybody's as versed with underwriting syndications, right? So we want to really be at least a first step and maybe a foundational step for many investors. And that's that's how we're achieving that diversification. Like I said, through multiple sponsors, multiple markets as well across the country. So many of these sponsors will work in places, you know, from the heartland to the coast or sunbelt states. And they often are targeting those much more high growth markets like the Dallas's, the Florida's, the South Carolina's, you know, Sunbelt states. And to get back to the diversification question, you know, how are we providing that? And is that actually what everybody wants? I don't know. That's a good question. I believe that it is. It's what I would want. And so that's kind of up to investors. If, if that is something that they're seeking, then this is something that we can provide. 
So if I was a first-time investor into real estate and I'm a W-2 professional looking to get into real estate um, investing and there's so many different options out there, how do you even start to determine which vehicle is right for you? Good question because (laughs) I faced that question, right? I think it's very difficult to know what sponsors are truly experienced. Everybody in the industry talks about their long track record and experience, but do they really? If you really dig into it, many have been around for three or four or five years. They haven't seen a market down cycle. You know, many of them, I'm not sure that they have the staying power to make it through the, you know, the next downturn, whenever that may occur. And so when you're a new investor, I think it's important to take it slow work with some sponsors that have experience, learn from them. You know, I always say something, start slow, but learn fast. And really tapping into investors who have more experience than you is the way to go. That's the way I went. I suck. I seeked mentors in the industry and really tried to work with them and learn from them. That would be my advice to take it slow. Don't jump at the first opportunities that you see. There's going to be a lot of people uh, that want your your money, right? Um, you really have got to take your time, learn the sponsors, do your due diligence, check with other investors who have invested with them, and really get to understand the people you're investing with. Because it really comes down to the sponsor and frankly, not just their credibility, but their ability to withstand and survive through the long term. Because real estate is a long-term investing game. I don't like to call it a game, but it's those who survive thrive in this market and you have to have a long-term vision. So if you're looking to, one of the things that you mentioned was um, mentorship. So you got mentorships to help you with your education base and learning um, learning curve. So for mm-hmm. someone who's looking to maybe get some type of mentorship as well, where could they even start to look for someone who is experienced in the field that would you know best match their personality and help them with their end goal? Sure. So I think podcasts, you know, we're on a podcast right now. I think podcasts is a great way to find mentors. First off, you can learn so much just by listening to podcasts. I mean, there's an infinite amount of knowledge out there from sponsors and many of them are very experienced. You can learn a lot by spending a year listening to pod. I know that sounds like a long time, but it by goes spending- so fast. <laughs> yes, it goes fast. But you can learn so much on podcasts. And I, I would recommend starting there. Find a couple of podcasts that you really, the hosts are very knowledgeable. They're speaking your language and you connect with them. Go to their website, find out if they offer any mentor programs. Many of them do. It's very common in the real estate industry to find sponsors who often do mentorships. And so find somebody that you work with. Even if you go to a local meetup, oftentimes there's other sponsors that you can work with or just other investors that you can network with and learn from them. Those are my probably biggest, my biggest areas of advice on finding mentors. And as you've been building up your business and on this space and expanding your network, what has been the biggest surprise for you in your entire real estate journey so far? Biggest surprise as far as building up networks? I'll be honest. I'm a CPA, right? So I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert. I'm not going to lie. But outreach is very important. And casting a broad net, you run out of your friends and family network very fast when you start to raise capital. And obviously real estate is a big investment industry, right? There's a lot of dollars to buy an apartment building or any other types of real estate assets. So when you start to reach out to your network, you're always going to be reaching out to new people. 
and you have to be comfortable speaking to new people and speaking out, getting out there, going to conferences and meeting people. At first, I was not convinced that that was necessary, but I was surprised and it, it is necessary. And I found that I actually enjoy it now. Going to conferences is one of my top things and, and meeting other investors with like-minded ideas and talking about the various strategies, what they've learned, what they've done right, what they've done wrong. So... Yeah, I think with networking, I think it's a it's a different way of approaching. You know, I'm I'm very similar to what you what you've mentioned as well. I'm I tend to be introverted as well, and so but like going to networking events, you know, when you're before starting real estate, before like talking to a lot of different people, you get really nervous about going to networking because the mindset in there is like, oh, I'm trying to get something out of this, like I need to gain something or like it's really uncomfortable because you don't know what you're expecting and you're, you don't know how to maximize your time. But as you, you know, do a couple of these and you start to get a little bit more comfortable, you kind of realize, you know, how can I add value to other people and then start building up relationships and networks through that venue and your mind shift starts to shift a little bit. And then networking doesn't become as scary anymore because it's now it's like, how can we help each other? How can we add value to each other? And if you're coming from that approach, instead of how can you help me, it changes the mindset very, very significantly, I feel like. And so it becomes a little bit more comfortable as you go in and trying to just help, trying to help add value to other people as well. That's exactly right, Eileen. I mean, you nailed it right there with the attitude of how can I help this other person or what can I, what value can I bring versus, you know, what is this person going to do for me or, or are they the best investor or whatever it is, right? That I have also seen that shift in my own mind from the very first networking events that I went to, which were much more, Hey, how do I, how do I, how do I learn as much as I can at this event and take what I can from this speaker versus well, what can I bring this speaker? You know, what is my experience that I can provide um, some feedback or some recommendations or, or whatever it may be? Yeah. So for you, Mark, what's next for you? Well, as I mentioned, we're working on creating a fund of funds to, you know, help other busy professionals like myself, like I described. Hopefully that will be launched in early 2022. And that's our goal is to, to spend 2022, you know, raising capital and placing that with great sponsors that we've spent the last year, you know, digging into on their due diligence. So how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? Well, I mean, from a personal level, you know, my entire home life is kind of evolved around real estate now with my wife being a general contractor. Half of my experience in life is now devoted to either developing locally or investing passively outside. So it, it has changed my life because from the bottom line really is passive investment income. That's my focus now is building up enough, you know, passive income so that we don't have to rely entirely on our W2s. And that's been the biggest, the biggest change after realizing real estate investing was possible. Yeah. And, and with the passive investing too, it's not like, you know, just one investment is going to, you know, you're going to meet your goals right away. You're going to be financially set. It's over time, it's slowly building it up and, and building your nest egg and building up that passive income to, you know, cover your expenses to become financially independent. So it's just, you know, it just takes a little bit of time, but you just got to keep at it. Absolutely. It does. You have to have patience, right? There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be good deals and bad deals occasionally. But you need patience and you need fortitude to, to keep going. And you have to have a plan, right? If you're really trying to achieve financial 
freedom through you know real estate or any other type of passive investment, it's going to take years to build up a sizable portfolio that's putting off enough cash flow for you to live on. And what is one thing that you know about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? I mean, the cliche is to get started as early as possible. I didn't start till I was uh, about 30, right? I had already spent you know, a good 20, uh, 15 years or something like that investing in 401k and the stock market. And honestly, the earlier I would have started investing would have been would have been better. I wish I would have known when I was renting apartments that I could have been buying, you know, a two flat. And I would definitely go back and do that now in college, maybe even, um, you know, as I got my professional career going instead of just renting. And what is one thing that sets the successful people apart in the real estate investing business? So successful people, I think are patient and they, they have an ability to really dig into due diligence and not buy into the hype. You don't want to be like a moth to the flame, right? Don't chase trends. There's going to be lots of trends out there. Just a basic portfolio target setting and rebalancing is what you need to do in, to be safe in, in, in investing in general and in real estate. So diversification from a macro perspective in your entire portfolio and diversification in your real estate portfolio. Because you never know what you want to avoid is massive losses in an individual concentrated asset, right? Those things will do extreme damage to your portfolio and they're very hard to recover from. So that's my advice on investing, to be honest. Yeah. And I forgot to ask this question earlier too, but I, I'd love to, you know, just spend a, a little bit of time on this one here. But you know, you yourself are a very successful CPA. You work a full-time job. You're also doing real estate investing in your whatever spare time that you have. You have your family. How have you been able to manage your time across both or across all your different aspects of your life? Sure. Well, I, I don't have a W-2 job now, right? So about halfway through my career, like I said, when I became the CFO, I became an owner of that, that consulting firm. And so my time is somewhat flexible, right? Now, that's not saying I don't have 30 or 40 hours of work a week to do at my day job, my CFO job, but there's time in the evenings and weekends for me to read. I don't spend a lot of time you know, watching TV or that sort of thing. So I, and I enjoy real estate. I spend that time really digging into those things. And when you enjoy something, you can find time to do it. Just like hobbies, just like riding a bike or swimming or working out, you can find time if you want. Absolutely. And I love it when you say, if you enjoy it, when you enjoy something, it it no longer feels like work. Like it's just something that you enjoy doing on your off times. Exactly. Yeah. So Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show and, you know, sharing your experience with us and, you know, your real estate journey. If our listeners wanted to find out more about you and what you're doing in this space, where's the best place that they can go to reach you or to find out more? Sure. I would say go to the SierraCapitalGroup.com website. It's C-I-R-A and then Capital Group. And from there, uh, you can sign up and, and download our diversification white paper right from the website. You can also contact us on the contact page. So that would be where I would go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Mark. All right. Thanks, Eileen. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. 
Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.